Resurrection Assembly of God. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. The 30th of October, 2022. All of the saints. The unnamed woman. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. Blazing over back there. Thanks. Luke chapter 7. I have a bookmark because I get to cheat. You all do too because we give you a bookmark. But So I'm just good morning and grace and peace to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, church, on this All Saints Sunday and every day. Glory to God. Let's read, now that you have your Bibles open, to Luke chapter, 30, chapter 7, verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. Hold on a second. Kids, look at me, kids. Bus, bus. Bus, bus. Bus, bus. There we go. Bus, bus. What's this? A Bible. Who's in the Bible? Jesus. So our story today that we're talking about is Jesus. When it says he, it's Jesus. Hey, Laz, it's Jesus we're talking about. Blessing and mercy back there around where you are. Jesus. Enoch. Jesus. Yeah, okay. We're going to start again. One of the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who, what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then, turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, 
but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Bow your heads and let's pray. Father, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and ready hearts to learn from the saints who've gone before us. Let us see and hear what your spirit is speaking to your church. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Now, there is a problem with the way we sometimes talk about Pharisees and sinners. I see it growing more and more in our social media culture. It's this. We start saying, Jesus only ever rebuked the religious leaders in his day. This is a story we're told. This is a story we tell. And every Pharisee was only concerned with outward acts, with works righteousness, with condescending piety, and every sinner was simply under the oppressive thumb of these overly religious, stick-in-the-mud conservatives. From there, we begin to say, I don't really need organized religion. I don't really need church. My walk with God is personal and nothing more. I don't need those religious leaders. That's the people Jesus didn't like. And when we start to do this, we start to trivialize Jesus. We make Jesus nothing more than a nice teacher who cares only about me becoming the best me I can be with no eye on a grander story. We make an idol of the Lord of all creation. We ignore the word which tells us of our absolute interconnectedness as the body of Christ. We ignore the commands of neighbor love for the very self-piety we supposedly condemn. And we miss the story of the God of all creation who came not to condemn, but to save. And to save more than just me, but to save the creation he held so dear. He holds so dear. Not all the Pharisees had wicked hearts and poor intentions. Some surely did. But we know some had pure and gentle and loving hearts, like Nicodemus, who went to Jesus and learned from him, who helped bury his broken body. They're not all bad. You can't just write them all off.
What does this have to do with the saints? What does this have to do with the story of Jesus at Simon the Pharisee's table? Well, let me tell you a big story. The big story. God created heaven and earth, everything therein, and called it good. We rebelled against God. We humans sinned. And in that rebellion, we shoved ourselves away from the good creator. But even in our rebellion, he promised to save us. God's plan came specifically through the people of Israel, not because they were the rich and strong and powerful warrior nation, but because of Abraham's faith. God made covenant, promise with his people. But again, as we humans have a tendency to do with our hard heads, Lord, heal us of them, we rebelled and followed false idols. We gave our hearts to the work of our hands rather than putting our hearts in the hands of the one who created them. When Israel broke covenant with God, it led to exile. And through Israel, though Israel had returned to the land, they were not free from foreign rulers who profaned the name of God and all of his good commands. The Pharisees wanted to see Israel restored. And because it had been un unfaithfulness to the covenant that had led them to exile, they thought the best way for restoration is a steadfast commitment to follow God by following the law. But as we humans have a tendency to do with our good intentions and our blind eyes, sometimes we begin to get so focused on what we think God ought to do that we miss what God is doing right in front of us. Israel is waiting for God to rescue them from their collective sin. Israel and the Pharisees are looking for God to rescue them from the Romans who would profane the name of the Lord of all creation. And here comes Jesus, lowly. Not at all what you might expect. Born behind an inn and laid in a manger. Not a military leader, not a ruler, not the high priest, not a revolutionary pioneer, not the politician with the best media campaign manager. What does Jesus do? He comes in eating and drinking at Simon the Pharisee's house. And here we meet our saint, an unnamed woman who bursts upon the scene. Simon isn't surprised she has come at all. It's probably pretty normal for uninvited visitors to show up every so often at dinners like this. But what happens after she arrives is surprising. See, this woman is known in town for her sinfulness. It's mentioned right there. But she has the audacity to approach this teacher named Jesus. She has money enough for expensive perfume, and she pours it out on Jesus' feet. Because this woman has found a treasure more precious than that perfume. She found Jesus, the Lord of all, the one who has authority to forgive sins. 
This woman is so touched as she sits at the feet of Jesus. She's weeping. There at his feet, kneeling before the Lord of all creation. Imagine that. Imagine being that woman. Her tears run down her face. They drip upon his precious feet. In total abandon and love, she uncovers her hair and uses it to wipe those tears on those beautiful feet. Those beautiful feet that she bows down to kiss. They are indeed the beautiful feet which bring good news. The news that every chain will be removed, that salvation has come because our God reigns. And there sits Simon the Pharisee, concerned with God forgiving Israel's collective sin, doing his best to live rightly so that perhaps they might all be free, and he only sees the outside view of this. If this man is really a prophet, how is he unaware of this woman's status? Shouldn't he know? Why doesn't he see her as she has been known to the whole town? There is a bigger picture here, Jesus. Not just one woman who probably doesn't understand, but all of us. All of Israel is waiting. But Simon doesn't say a word. Still, Jesus, knowing Simon's heart, shares the parable. Two debts forgiven. Two different responses. Jesus knows the thought of our hearts. We can't hide from him. Or put on a good face. He knows us. And he knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows the anxious hopes that are fulfilled in his incarnation. And will be finished in his death and resurrection. He knows that not just Israel, the nation, but all of creation is growing, groaning like a woman in labor, awaiting their redemption. He knows the prophetic songs of Anna and Simeon who see that God has come to save his people in a new way, in a whole way. And Jesus tells them over and over Good shepherds care for the one because caring for the one is caring for the whole. He bends down to the saintly woman, a sinner no more. Her sins washed away at Jesus' feet. Saints, hear me on this because this is why we along with all of heaven, rejoice when any sinner finds forgiveness. For Jesus to have the authority to forgive the sins of that one woman, an authority only granted to God, we now see that he came not only to save this one precious woman, but as God who has the authority to forgive sins, came to save us all 
to save the nations, to save all of creation, to make good on his promise. Because he forgives the sins of an individual, he has authority to restore, to establish a new covenant that will lead us out of exile. And not just the exile of Israel to Babylon, but the exile from the beginning. The exile from the garden. The exile from eternal and unveiled life with God. To the land of suffering and death. Jesus Christ is Lord. He forgives sins and he will lead us from this land of sin and death to the land of life and life more abundantly. Relentlessly pursuing every one of us lost sheep. Because church, all we like sheep have gone astray and turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Don't miss the forest for the trees. Don't miss the trees for the forest. Jesus, the Lord of all creation, came to sit at a table with us and share dinner, to commune with us once more, to bring us back from our rebellion and its consequences. Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. Each of us and all of us together. One holy worldwide and apostolic church called by the Father, baptized into the one body of Christ, held together by one spirit. Simon's intentions are likely not bad or self-righteous or condescending. Maybe they are. We can't know his heart. Only God does. But what we do know is he misses the hope. He awaits because he lacks vision. We all need our vision corrected. We need to stop making Jesus into nothing more than a particularly kind and understanding man and nothing more. And we need to stop making Jesus into one who only cares about the big picture, the whole world, and not the individual. The God of all creation came to save us. And what are we to do? How do we keep those tensions in balance? Like the unnamed saint of our story, we fix our eyes upon Jesus, the true treasure. And like her, we lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely, that easily entangles. Church, follow this unnamed saintly woman. Lay your sins at the feet of Jesus and find your healing. Celebrate the discipline of the Lord, that we might run this race before us with endurance, even when it's hard. Press on to the goal. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And don't fool yourself into thinking you can carry burdens you are not meant to carry. Because church, sin is a heavy burden. It weighs us down. 
It is a burden we aren't meant to bear. It's a burden we aren't able to bear. But glory to God, we can cast our burdens on him for he cares for us. Thank you, Lord, because he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Confess your sins to God. For those of us who feel unforgivable, who struggle to forgive ourselves, confess your sins to God. Because he is faithful and just to forgive those sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. For those of you who struggle with the same sin, with those of you who struggle with addictions and lusts and idolatry, for those of us who struggle with these things and feel like they have a hold on us that we can't just kick. Let go. Don't hold on to those things. Give them to God. Ask him to discipline your desires, to remove the hold they have on you, to take the taste of sinful ways out of your mouth, as Sister Fraley would say. And if you earnestly seek God, if you lay those burdens down at his feet and keep laying them there, and like saint unnamed woman, start pouring out your alabaster jar of perfume on his feet, if you bow before the Lord who saves, if you give your heart to him and cry your tears of gratitude and joy, you can be sure that God will save you. He will help you. He will carry you. And he will forgive you. And that hope means that God will forgive the world and heal the world and carry the world. Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That's what Jesus says. So today, like every Sunday, we will confess our sins to God. We will be invited to commune with him and one another at this table. And I invite you, whether it's a brief moment or a good long time, pause at the altar. Lay everything down at the feet of Jesus. Kneel if you are able. Don't just think about the footsteps of the saints who went before us. Embody her actions. Weep at Jesus' feet for saving all of us and you specifically. And give him glory and honor and love. And when you stand up, stand up with full assurance that your sins are forgiven. That your faith is seen by the Lord who saves and go in peace. Amen. Holly, wherever you are, or whoever's doing something, I don't know who's, who's coming up, but let's all stand.
I don't know if she can hear me back there. Prepare our hearts for communion.